0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 264. I'm uh-huh. one of your hosts, Steve, and who else is here with me?
1: Ron.
2: And John.
0: There it is. That's the three best friends that anyone could ever have. I think that's what they call us, right? <laughs> the three wise men
2: of the apocalypse. That's it,
0: yeah. It's, it's one yeah. of those two. It's, 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 it goes without, you know, it depends with the day of the week which one they call us. Right, right. <clears throat> So, today, as we record this, Ronald, it sounds like your house may be turning into a boat or something, like there's yeah, like
1: man. really bad flooding downtown. It's crazy. It's like a massive amount of rain that's not supposed to stop until like 11 or something wow. like that. So, it's it's like they've extended it a little bit, but I looked outside a couple mm. of hours ago. I, t- I showed you guys a picture and it was just, yeah, I could not see the wheels of my car. <laughs> <laughs> I was that's like, really "Oh, okay." Easy. Hmm. Um, that's, that's, so that's where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. So it's a. I, I, I'm glad to be doing this because it takes my mind off it a little bit. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like uh, pandemic, flooding, <laughs> wedding. <It's> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. All this stuff, man. It's it's, the,
2: I think it's locusts next, and then frogs. I think, I think so. Then, those are the next two plagues. I'm not sure. Yeah. Whatever
0: happened to the murder hornets? Yeah. You
2: were saying this storm is supposed to go to eleven, but you know that's a pretty popular storm when it gets held over like that. So I think we should take that as a positive yeah. sign that the rain is really doing something. It's really, you know, getting people behind this it. A lot of true. people are noticing. A lot of people are noticing it. It's doing something right. If we're talking about it, it the rain's doing something right. He's saying it's, it's, it's trending. It's, it's trending outside. Yeah. That's what we call it when it's raining like this. <laughs> so uh,
0: I wanted to bring something up real quick. I don't know if you guys got this email. I don't know. I know Ronald has Disney Plus, but we were talking last week about um, the whole Milan coming to Disney Plus on <clears throat> excuse me, on September fourth and um as like a premium uh, purchase. And I got an email today as a Disney Plus subscriber that um, was kind of, some of this information was coming out between us recording last week and now, they, they kind of came out with some information about what we were discussing and some of the questions that we had, um, you know, kind of about like, is it a rental, like a like a window period, like some of the PVODR and things like that. But um, they kind of addressed some of that. But in general, they sent a, an email around that I got earlier today, this morning, about you know, basically promoting this release now, finally, like officially, I'm sure all the subscribers got it, um, in some form today or soon. Um, but basically it's interesting that they're using the branding that we were discussing. They're calling it Disney plus with premier access. So, you know, what they're saying basically is that if you're a Disney plus subscriber, that's great. Like, thank you for subscribing. But basically, you can do this option where you're paying $29.99 and um, have access to this premium title that's only available to people on the platform that want to pay that difference. The key thing that I was like reading about, which was some of the questions, was that once you have that premier access to Milan, you can watch it as many times as you want on any platform where Disney Plus is available. And it would continue to be accessible to you as long as you're an active Disney Plus subscriber. So it's almost like you're basically buying a digital copy and adding it to a special part of the Disney Plus library that is yours. And it seems like that's going to probably be something, depending on how this does, that they're probably going to start doing um, if it's successful. And I'm very curious to see how well it does. Um, And it's kind of interesting because it is, if, if you think of it like that, it is kind of like, you know, you're paying the $7 or whatever it is to be a part of the Disney Plus platform, you know, to be a member, to be a subscriber. And it's almost like they're they're offering this, like, it's a, like a Patreon option or it's like this premium thing. And that's what they're calling it. But the premiere access is just literally like, if this happens in the future, these movies that you're paying um, this premium for, they would be yours for as long as you are a member to this service. And... That's different and, and new and um, especially at this level you know in terms of um, like the, the the what do you call it? like the, the, the size of the movie, I guess the production budget of the movie you know not only is it coming out um, on the platform, but it's got this unique type of pay structure to it, but it is not going to be something that leaves you know your access like all the other or most of the PVODs are like that we discuss. So that's that's interesting. And that's an interesting angle and a way to promote it, um, that it's not going to be just like, oh, I'm in the I'm in the platform and I get to watch it. And it's gone for, you know, it's gone within 24 hours or 48 hours or whichever it is. I don't know.
1: Did you get that email, Ronald, or or have you read about this? Um, No, no. Um, Let me think. Let me see what email i got it through because i'm cute i'm super curious about that
2: that almost sounds like they are definitely creating a sort of new category of release if they're going to do this special thing yeah. how could it be for this one movie do you know what i mean like the suggestion that you're totally, going to have absolutely. a sort of premiere access library that you yourself curate within the disney platform that you only access on their streaming site that, you know that does sound very Disney to me. Frankly, <laughs> I wonder what the next release intended for this sort of little pocket is. And as we said, is it going to be something that goes straight to this uh, premiere video on demand, or is it going to be something that has a short theatrical window
1: and then you know goes to that spot? I think you. I think I think you know what it is, John. It's in the back of your mind, making a a, a weird sound and it's, it's, it's lingering there, and you don't want to say it out loud because it's too big of a fucking movie, but I think Black Widow is going to be the next one. And I think this is a trial run for them to maybe do it. I, I know it's a weird, it's a huge movie, but if this plays well, they, they're going to think about how much money they can make at home. Because how many movies can they push back that fit within the realm of, like, you know they have these big gaps in content. With you know Mandalor, there's there's Mandalorians coming out in with twenty twenty one. there no, are it's any coming in October. Release. It's in October.
0: Yeah, it's coming out this this fall. This fall, yeah.
1: Oh Jesus. Okay, so that that, yeah. that gets that argument out of there. It's still true that
2: that that they that once like once that runs, what's that going to run for? 8 weeks maybe. So mid-November they'll they'll need some new content. That's right around the time that Black Widow is supposed to hit theaters. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do give it the theater the the, the release for a few weeks and then if it's on that that platform within a month, it wouldn't shock me at this point because I don't think it's I think <laughs> It's a movie in, a, in an ongoing franchise that's chugging along and has other chapters coming, and it was supposed to be out several months ago. So some part of me feels like they're going to want to catch up with the time they lost this year a, a little bit. But another part of me knows that they have pushed everything back going forward. So it's very confusing to me. I, I did remember thinking initially, we all we all said, what what about Black Widow? That could be a release on demand type thing. And then they seem to emphatically say, no, they weren't going to do that. But could they do this little quasi-theatrical and home release thing? I, I totally see that. I, I really haven't seen much about Black Widow. But I mean, I do think there's
0: something to the point of like, you know whenever these other movies kind of pick up like if it gets if it gets to a point that it it keeps getting delayed or you know things continue to get pushed back like everything's kind of getting pushed back so it's not a matter of like it has to come out and obviously movies don't have to come out ton of them taken off the calendar altogether but it is an interesting idea to say you know it's a part of a bigger story and i don't know how much because it almost feels like you know, a lot of its story was wrapped up in Endgame, but obviously they're making this movie for a reason. There's got to be some springboard to future movies with characters that we just don't know yet that are kind of happening parallel to what we've watched already in the MCU. But yeah, I, I think that there's something to the idea of like, it needs to still come out, not only to like, keep you uh, aware of the fact that the MCU is still pumping movies out and like, you know you know, these, these seeds are being planted for whenever the next ones, you know, Spider-Man or Thor or, or you know whatever there's are the Eternals, like all these things that have to still kind of find their place. It does it does seem like it would be one that I think would still come out in theaters, but I would not be surprised if theaters aren't doing well, or if Tenant is a major failure, or you know, theatrically I mean, or if Wonder Woman ends up getting pushed back again. Like, I don't know how far back they're going to push Black Widow, um, but it does seem interesting in terms of timing where you're just like, oh, well, they have Milan in September, they have Mandalorian in whatever it is, October, November, and, you know, by the, by the holiday time, like, they're going to need some other big thing um, to kind of satiate subscribers, especially when they're kind of getting that feeling of, like, oh, there's a lot of big things happening on Disney Plus again. And... I think they're going to need to keep that momentum going, especially if theatrically things do not pick up the way some filmmakers and some studios are
2: obviously hoping they do um, in the next month or two. Which I don't see how they could. <laughs> I mean, I'm maybe I'm, I you know, I still sometimes I'll go out and run errands and I'll be surprised at how many people are out and about doing stuff. But I still don't think that normalcy has kicked in to that extent. I might be surprised. I might be sadly surprised to see how many people in our city would be lining up to go sit in a, in a super spreader event at a movie theater. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to picture that we won't see the sort of uh, whatever the industry would think of as the negative outcome here, which is that no matter what they put out, it can't quite get traction and it can't quite be what they want it to be. You said something last time or one of our recent episodes about Tenet just not having a lot of competition on that same level and it might have a few extra weeks to grow and a few extra weeks to kind of reign at the box office right. and who knows, Wonder Woman might be that movie that that does that as well, that, that keeps bringing people in. But both of those feel like sure. they they work best in a kind of oasis. It, it doesn't feel like, okay, these movies did well so now let's release everything. You know, let's go back to the theatrical model. I just, I, I you yeah. know, I, I feel like I keep hitting this drum but I just don't... Don't know that I, I can picture it returning to anything like what we used to see uh, for the foreseeable future. And and that's not just because of what the, the studios might decide, but it's because of feeling like I myself, you know, I feel like I'm pretty representative of a certain kind of movie buff. I used to see a movie or two a week, uh, you know, and, and now I don't see myself yeah. doing that at all. So yeah, I, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, but I, I, do, I do think this could point to a new way that a company like Disney decides, all right, Uh, this is a way for us to give these movies uh, like a little bit of a loftier perch than just putting them on our, our on-demand service, but um, still, you know, uh, still essentially making them available to the people that aren't going to theaters.
1: Yeah. And this isn't coming from the perspective, like you were saying, um, we're not like bootleggers to the point where we aren't going to the theater. We go pretty frequently, uh, even outside of the screenings (laughs) that we were able to go to. So, you know it it just right. it pains me honestly cuz i love the movie experience but i think that if we're being honest um if you know dc's venues are saying they aren't taking people until 2021 um you know any any place within uh you know a 300 mile radius is pretty much canceling everything and that's 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 a conservative estimate, you know, just 2021 being you know when the beginning of it'll be when they'll revisit the idea of things happening. Um, it's It's very possible that something could fall into the category of the PVOD I mean in this case, premium VOD, not even paid VOD because this is a whole different level of <laughs> uh, VOD. Um, This level of premium VOD is going to be a regular part of our lives. And, you know, before when we were kind of guessing that was the thing, that's just us being ahead of the curve, kind of thinking about trends that could happen just based on the quality of video experiences that we have. You know, being able to see something in 4K was like a dream, uh, you know, 10 years ago, Uh, being able to do it for less than three thousand dollars. In this case now, less than $1,000, in the case of some of those high-end Vizios that they're selling now, is insane. So the theater experience has changed, and I think people need to be comfortable with the idea that there's this dual movie experience that could be happening. Even myself, you know, it's like a blow to my ego a little bit, because I I, I thought myself a fancy movie-going gentleman. Uh, and that that part of it is is kind of fading in a way. I'm not saying going away completely, fading in the way that we've known it. That's all. Yeah, I
0: like to state for the record. I've only known one fancy movie going gentleman, and that was probably a six or seven year old Henry Walker. <laughs>
1: he is <he's> a <laughs> fancy gentleman. You he was know- he, he was
0: he was super fancy, and he put us all to shame. I just want to state that for the record.
2: You know, the um, I guess incredible. it was the six year anniversary of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was recently, I think that's right, six years, right? Yeah, not seven. Um, yeah. and the uh, the the memory, the Facebook memory that it threw up was Henry and his tuxedo. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it was the first movie that we yeah. saw as a family at what is now the you know, oh, humdrum, we've been there a million times theater up here in Towson. But um, it was the beginning of like assigned seats and VIP level and it was the first yeah. movie we had gone to see yeah. a family as a family at that new theater and it was such a good movie and it was such For a good sure. family movie. Uh, it, it was funny how those memories started flooding back at me and uh, that wasn't even like a crowded uh, opening night type screening that was you know either it was a, 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 an early matinee or something on a day that we caught that. But it just it did get me it was like the right movie, the right experience, the right picture to make me go Oh, yeah, I kind of missed this. I miss this, like, mm-hmm. excitement. And I also kind of miss when Henry would be so excited about something like that, that he would, you know, he would actually, without yeah. even being prompted, like, be like, well, I got to do something about this and go upstairs and start putting on his tuxedo, you know. <laughs> um, but, no, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned that in re- in relation to that, because I had I have been thinking about that ever since then and thinking about it as the... That is that theatrical experience which which was super fun in these last few years because he was at the prime age to be getting excited about all these big franchise movies we've been going to see. So it's kind of interesting that this year when there's been like this gray cloud over the movie industries. <clears throat> or the, the the different studios and like the different outputs and the different franchises and it sort of seems like well You know am I really that excited about all these giant movies? Um, it's it's coinciding with him being in that 12 to 13 Continuum where he's also sort of like yeah, whatever <laughs> about <laughs> stuff So in a yeah, lot of ways this has been sort of a depressing uh, pop culture year in that sense uh, But really all it means is I'm back to watching things that I really enjoy as an adult you know, like uh, adult comedies or horror movies mm-hmm. or dramas, indie movies, documentaries, stuff like that, I kind of feel like I have been right. slightly relieved in a weird way not to have all these uh, giant uh, you know blockbusters to to contend with. But when I think sure. about a really good sure. one there's no there's no experience like that, you know
0: for sure, absolutely
2: yeah I don't I don't know, man like you made a comment
0: earlier about like just looking around and seeing like how many people will actually go out to a movie theater. And I mean, I gotta be honest, like I am not impressed with people's decision making. And I I worry that <laughs> this movie, like if it's successful, it means people are like going in and sitting in a movie theater and things like that. I don't know. I don't I hate to sound judgy and I don't mean to at all. Like I just it scares me to think of like just the snowball effect of something like that for a movie, which, you know, sure it's entertainment, but you know, I think in the times that we're in, it's like there's other means to achieve that, which is what some of these other studios are leveraging. And, you know, that's an easy decision for me. And I just worry about, you know, the the effect that that succeeding may have on different cities and um, especially ones that are not doing very well. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's uh, like I don't want yes. these movies
2: to do well <laughs> in a strange way. I don't it's want weird, the actual- right?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I second that whole thing, man. Like, um, people's decision-making skills aren't that great. And to get on a kind of personal level, um, I kind of told you guys, um, still getting married but had to cancel the venue uh, wedding. I mean, you know, having a bunch of people come to a place just felt kind of irresponsible. And these are people I love. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people that would have just come... Had I just had it, you know, and so I don't know if everybody would have had a mask and, and being able to monitor that stuff. I don't want to police that stuff. I don't want to tell people how to live. I don't want to be too judgy. And I had to make we had to make an executive decision. And um, man, I, I just I want to at the end of this whole thing, I want all my friends to be here to watch movies. I want, you know, to have fun, to raise their kids. And it feels like people are being a little short sighted for something that really honestly if we really think about all the years that we've been alive just a small piece of our lives that we've sacrificed for this to stay right. safe Oh, 100 percent agree with you you know yeah so um 100 i've you know i've been going through it in my head and i'm happy with my <laughs> decision but i don't i don't know if everybody's kind of moving with the same level of caution that we are and it, it's you know it's terrifying
2: yeah because it just seems like it'll stretch on forever and it'll it'll never get better if people aren't gonna accept that life has to be abnormal for longer than you are comfortable with it being abnormal and i really do think it's a meme at this point but people saying like the 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 pandemic isn't over just because you're over it you know um it's so funny how many people don't seem to understand that that just because people around you haven't dropped dead doesn't mean that they won't. And just because no one you know, maybe on your block, on your house, in your family, you know, or, you know, that close to you, no one close to you has gotten it or has died, that doesn't mean that you're past it somehow. And, and uh, I mean, I keep saying almost superstitiously, like, whatever we've been doing that's been working, let's try to continue what we've been doing for the most part. You know, we, we sometimes have to adapt. There'll be little things added in, little things we have to get done, taking the dogs to the vet, taking Henry to the doctor, different little things that are like, we got to, you know, we got to figure out how to do this in this world, right? But... The idea right, right. of acting like everything's normal and just returning to normalcy is is farcical to me. And kind of, as you've said, almost nightmarish if you think about the results of that. If everybody has that attitude, we'll be dealing with this forever. I mean, you know, forever in quotes, I guess. But for years, yeah. <laughs> at least, it just seems yeah, crazy, yeah, especially when you yeah. read stories about like New Zealand and places like that where they were able to... You know, shut it down and take it seriously, and they have somewhat returned to normal existence. You know, in, in fact, those countries I mean, have every right to be angry with America to be like, "Hey, you guys are making the movies, and now we're out and about. <laughs> we could go see yeah. these movies, <laughs> but they've been postponed because of you." Um, I, I do think there's something strange. I mean, on the on the global level, this is this is something kind of new, and it's a bit embarrassing to see that our our nation can't get its oh, shit together. God, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the yeah. the key the key to all this stuff, especially with people that are just kind of going off of feelings, is you counter it with facts. Um, there are places the CDC is posting things. There are countries that are functioning. You brought up New Zealand. New Zealand had a soccer match happen, and it was like thirty thousand people in one place post COVID, and they were fine. There have not been any reported new instances of people getting COVID and a lot of those places so you can you can back it up with facts and that's that's what I've been trying to do in these small cases where I have these conversations (laughs) with people that just make things up like it it's not going to stop it has stopped in places here are the places (laughs) here's the information there are places that are way more densely populated shut up please (laughs) just like it's driving me crazy it's driving me crazy guys
0: yeah. The, uh, I saw just, I think it was last night or this morning that you mentioned mentioning New Zealand, like just in terms of the ability to deal with stuff using science and facts and also like just swift action and decisive action. Um, I saw like, you know, they had like 102 days of like no community spread. And I saw yesterday, I want to say they had four new cases, um, that apparently came about, I think it was in Auckland, but about like some some issue at, like at one of the borders and like immediately locked down Auckland again like it was like the same day you know what i mean and like that that kind of action when you have four cases or whatever it was i think it was only four but you know like that that ability to just like act quickly like that and just to believe that you know this is what has to be done you know that's just it's, I'm envious of that, like, you know, to be blunt, like, you know, there's, there's been a complete lack of that in some, in some shape or form this entire time here, even in a state like Maryland, where, you know, our, not to be too political, but like our governor has been pretty uh, uh, proactive rather than reactive or even just lack of acting in it at all. But, uh, you know, you just look around, you know, at these countries and like, yeah, New Zealand, 102 days of no new community spread, like... What the fuck does that even mean to us? Like 102 days. I don't even remember 102 days. You know what I mean? Like this feels like this feels like it's just going to be like this for a long
2: time and well the last 102 you know, days, days for like, us have felt ch- like one long day, you know? <laughs> so it's very hard to imagine exactly. yeah. that. You're right. No, it's crazy. You hear that and you yeah. just go, "Oh yeah, that would have been like that would have been back in in May." You know? <laughs> Holy shit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's insane. And like You know, there just seems to be like a, just a, a resistance to like, you know, just wanting to get back to your life and like, I'm not, you know, the, the, you know, comments like, you know, I, I gotta live my life, you know, things like that. I get it. Like, you know, people have things they have to do, you know, but I think we're, we're talking about the things we're, we're not talking about the have to's, we're talking about the want to's and, um, those things are what I really question people's judgment, um, in certain situations, and it makes me concerned and you know obviously worry about like long term success or healing for this whole thing but we'll see i don't know we're talking about we're talking about movie going and theatrical releases and things like that so it's not this is not a heavy conversation but you know it's a it's a really like john said like it's like an opportunity for things to super spread if things are not done properly and you can look across any experience i'm sure we've had going out in public that we've had to you know people are not enforcing things people are not adhering to th- you know regulations or recommendations or requirements as it is now you know so when something like that opens up you can you know just assume and almost assuredly that like it's not going to be uh, upheld there either and that just scares me for people that you know come in contact with those that make decisions like that and you know it makes me worry about a lot of people
1: media is politics and politics or media. And um, whether we're talking about the messages that go into the media itself, or its distribution, there are some politics on some level. And then the reopening of that opens up into some of the politics that exist of the day, and how it relates to our society. So, I mean, obviously, we're not going to have a stance that's, you know, crazy and angry every episode. But sure enough, there's going to be some talk about politics in the middle of this because it is political. There is some politics involved with, uh, you know, theaters opening back up. The way that, <laughs> that things are being dish, uh, distributed, um, the way that awards are, are happening now, like that's all politics. And I guess... um, it's kind of cool that it's kind of trickled into our podcast because it's it was bound to happen. <laughs> it was bound it was bound to happen at some point. So, well, yeah, there's pressure yeah. for all kinds of different reasons
2: uh, for these things to happen. There's pressure from the theater owners. There's pressure from different you know parts of government that want things to happen at a certain time to look good or to feel like things are on the right path um, there might be pressure coming from the other direction in some places to to stay closed i mean and, and we've already expressed it ourselves this desire to see movies succeed and to see the economy of of hollywood uh, stay afloat because we like uh, we like movies but at the same time if liking movies right now means hoping for people to flock to the theaters i'm not i'm not with it <clears throat> so yeah yeah agreed same same 100% but I'll also pay money for a premium thing at home and 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 make it into an event in my family. You know what I mean? Like I'm also going to do my yeah, part as sure. a as a movie lover in the in the home zone. So it's like I do think it's just yeah, it's one more thing. And it does feel a little bit more sad and serious the more it rolls along and you realize that it doesn't seem like decisions are being made. Uh I mean, I guess it makes sense that it's all financial, but it seems like that's the main thing driving some of these some of these Hollywood decisions, some of these movies that have stubbornly held on to a date or have kept you know, like again, we keep mentioning *Tenet*. Um, I really think the failure of success of that movie is going to seem like a, a referendum <laughs> on on having theaters open at
1: all. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, man. So, what have you been watching? What have What have you been watching?
2: Well, I know we all watched uh, the Seth Rogen movie, or Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen movie, uh, *An American Pickle*. Yeah. Yes. We
1: can talk about that if you
0: want.
2: Should sure. we
1: talk about the miscellaneous stuff before *American Pickle*? Because I feel like *American Pickle* it's pretty significant in its scale and why it got picked up and all that stuff. So do, do we have anything we want to rattle off before we talk about it? Um, I'm watching the Peacock show Hitman. Um, I think it's a Sky show, like a Canadian show that they picked up. Um, but it's about two women who are hitmen. Uh It's uh, apparently some, some characters from British Bake Off. Um, I don't know their names. I'm just getting acquainted with these characters, but it's it's uh it takes place in London, but it's uh I guess Peacock picked it up and called it an original uh Peacock production and it's it's super entertaining. <laughs> um yeah, it's just two people who you would not know were hitmen uh being hitmen and <laughs> and it's just their personal lives are kind of woven in between, and they aren't particularly liked in their profession. They're kind of <laughs> like the lackeys—not lackeys, but you'll—you'll you'll see. You should check it out. It's—it's it's a pretty solid, really funny show. Um, peacock seems to have a few interesting things. Yeah, man, they're going for it. I—I I, I also finished that—that um, that other Peacock show, the one that was based on the book uh brave a brave world uh, brave a brave new, new world. world yes huh um it's a lot um i i don't i don't hate it as much as rotten tomatoes hated it uh i just think that <laughs> it feels like a lot of i mean this is based on a book from the 40s from what i understand uh about dystopian uh this dystopian world where um America, um, there's this place called New London that becomes kind of the center where good people are and everybody outside is like savages. And they don't believe in monogamy, privacy, currency, family, and there's literally no history. And so to manage your emotions, you take these pills that help you with anxiety, happiness, and no that since there's no monogamy you you steve could just be you could be a sexual uh god they be like oh steve is here let's have sex with steve and, and your wife would just have to deal with it it's weird man but it, it has a lot of really cool ideas i don't know how i picked you out
0: i don't know how i picked you oh, out steve it that, just man.
1: just felt right
0: that it tells me a lot it tells me
2: a lot <laughs> yeah. um I like that he and used you as an example of a sexual god, but he didn't say that to me. He's like John; you still would be just a regular non-sexual god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean it like that. But it's a, it's a it's a interest. It has a lot of interesting ideas, whether it was executed well or not is a thing. You know, I actually think that the reason why people don't like it is because it's happening at the time that it's happening. It's, you know, we're we're talking about dystopian future, and it seems like we're kind of heading to a place where people are, oh man, let's get into politics again. But, um... <laughs> There's some similarities between what's happening now and, and it's a little bit
2: easier to imagine it. a dystopia now than it was maybe just a yes. few months ago it or a few so years ago. Yes. Yeah, it's easy yes. to picture how it might turn into one. It is, and yes, yes. I don't care if I sound crazy when I say that. Um, it's like if you talk to somebody who's been through some super traumatic experience in their life, they'll tell you that, like they don't enjoy watching uh, horror movies or thrillers where people are getting killed because they've had that real experience in their life. You know, and it's similar. I think right now, it's possible to be sort of traumatized by uh, feeling like you're in a world on the brink and suddenly stories yes. about worlds on the brink um is it's not as fun it's not as like thought provoking as much as it is like oh shit
1: provoking right right exactly so i think that's part of it and then some of the stories disjointed. it but I, to be completely honest i enjoyed it man i enjoyed it i liked that it went for something you know like sometimes it feels like i'm watching the same version of a lot of things and this at least was trying to go for something that felt like ah, there was some newness in it, so you know, it's yeah, it's, yeah. I enjoyed it. What about you guys?
0: I haven't really been watching a whole lot. Like I was telling you guys yesterday, I I kind of had been hearing a lot about Perry Mason on HBO, so I kind of I've been trying to binge that. I'm about I think five or six episodes into that, um, which I, I really have enjoyed so far. Yeah, I finished um,
2: it, uh, so I can. I'll happily chat with you about it once once you've once you've finished uh, watching it. I want to watch it too. I mean, I, yeah, we should all
0: talk about it. I, I should be probably done in the next couple of days, hopefully. You think think maybe next time we can we can do a little look back yeah. on, on Perry Mason yes. because I
2: have thoughts and questions that I really think they're not quite spoilery, <laughs> but they do sort of hint at just the shape of things. I, I
0: can't wait to watch the last couple episodes. So, I mean, I'll let you guys know when I'm done. But yeah, we should try to talk about that next week. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I watched. Um. I started watching Umbrella Academy, which I've only gotten a couple episodes into, but um, everybody's been talking about that, and I never really caught on to it the first season, so I'm trying to catch up on that um, on Netflix. And then I think the only other thing I actually watched this week was I, I went and watched the, um, the Jason Weems uh, special on uh, Amazon after you mentioned it last week, John. I thought that was great, super funny, highly recommend that to anybody with Amazon Prime. Um, do you know what I mean
2: about not having like a lag in it like so many comedy specials do where it's yeah, like no no dude s- somehow in like, going yeah. beyond 35-40 minutes they they hit a dead spot and then they get you back for some final bit it just felt so consistent right. that I was actually sort of surprised when he got to the last joke that's always a good sign when you're like oh wow that's it you know uh, so yeah no yeah,
0: no, it was great and I mean and like Aaron watched it with me like just on the fly like hey I'm gonna put this on you wanna check this out and we'd like w- watch the whole thing together and she was cracking up the whole time and like loved it. So I was, I was happy to, it felt good to watch something that was consistently funny together, especially in this world uh, that we're living in and um, to watch it together, like just kind of out of nowhere. It was like, Hey, John mentioned this last you know, episode, like, you know, let's watch it. Like, you know, like we have Amazon prime. I'm aware of who he is. I've seen, you know, Mike's movie that he's been in and I've seen some of his comedy in general, but it was a it was a good decision. So yeah, if, um, if you have Amazon Prime, definitely check that out. It's called is it? It's unknown, right? Unknown with Jason Weems, or Jason yes. Weems unknown.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. um I really love that yeah, special, man. I am. Um, yeah, it was really. good. I mean, I'm a little biased. I've done a couple of shows with him. Um, I did the first show yeah. that he did when he re- recovered from near like dying. Uh, he right, was. Right. And and then the podcast about that thing, man, is out of this world good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I might be close to it, but I think it's like one of the better stand up specials I've ever seen. But um, it's really good. Yeah. It's really and yeah. it's <laughs> it's really, really damn good. And it's 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 really funny
0: and uh, like the I don't even know like some of the joke like some of the kid jokes he does are just fucking I was dying. Yeah, he's he's. It's, like the jokes, it's the one joke he has about about his kids putting on on uh like winter gloves like that killed me
2: <laughs> <laughs> like like literally like yeah. i have a
0: 3 year old and she's gotten better recently like she's been like gardening with me a lot this summer so far so she's gotten a lot better at putting on gloves together and like understanding that you know a finger goes in each slot but i swear like last winter like that was literally like what he does in that bit aaron and i were dying like that literally has happened to us and it was so <laughs> we could relate so much to that joke it
1: just killed us that's hilarious man um, so uh, can i rattle off a couple of things shows i've watched yeah yeah uh, um yeah. so uh p valley I've, I've talked about how crazy that show is stars exotic dancers down south drama very very good I just watched a mini series called Moms Make Porn about a bunch of moms who in London who were uh, very opposed to porn, who decided to make a feminist um, porn that really emphasizes consent. And it goes through everybody's experience with with sex and uh conservatism and how that plays into the way that the things that we project versus what we re- really feel. Man, it was like critically panned, but I, I it was because people are so conservative about the subject matter, but it's it's one of the most carefully produced things I've ever seen. Uh Moms make porn. Um on B E T right now they're going through record labels and they're <laughs> coming to be. They just finished No Limit Chronicles and started Rough Riders Chronicles. Man, if you if you have any interest in make them say on uh, Master <laughs> P and his empire, it is fucking amazing. You learn things about um, the business that he was doing, where he he basically took eighty percent of each record sold, which was unheard of for any time in history. Um, yeah, it's like really cool stuff like that. And then CBS Access, I checked out the pilot episode of Lower Decks, the animated Star Trek show that's, that has close ties to the next generation. Um, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening with the Star Trek stuff, but this is one of those things that if you can relax uh, your ideas of whatever you've seen of Star Trek and how, how bad, badly they've brutalized the, the uh, franchise in general, um, this is a really solid show, man. It's funny. Um, it references a bunch of stuff that you 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 probably love about Star Trek if you're a, a Trekkie of any sort and makes a lot of references to characters that you love. Um, it's just a solid, solid show. And I hope that it continues. I know that CBS Access isn't doing too well, but I hope it finds a home somewhere else if CBS Access doesn't last.
2: Anything else?
1: So that's it for me. I guess now so it's time about, to talk uh, about the main event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about that
0: Seth Rogen? How about that Seth Rogen?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, Seth Rogen's great. Let's just say it. Like that if I came away yeah. from this movie thinking anything, it's how much I love him as an actor, as a as a vibe, as a as an idea. I just think he is such an easily watchable person. He's so likable on screen and he's so funny. Um even more so than the movie itself, I thought his performances as these characters, as Ben Greenbaum and Herschel Greenbaum, um, uh, a, a, a modern-day Brooklynite and a, uh, a a pickled man <laughs> who was... Uh, who was uh, preserved for a hundred years, respectively, the way the two characters interacted, the generational stuff, the sort of, uh, i thought many times about, would my grandfather, if he was my age and he was hanging out with me, what would he think of me? You know, you go back even further and the question's even bigger. What would your great, great grandfather think of you if he was hanging out with you and you guys were peers? And I have always thought that people of that generation and of those times would think that I was a soft, weak, indecisive coward you know always it just seems like that's the first thing they would think they'd be like what are you even talking about you know half the time um and i think this movie plays that concept out really well i think as as its strength is the way that it plays out that concept i think that the story gets into some satirical kind of farcical places that it's almost like the pace at which the movie works works against it having a statement to make because i think you really could have made a statement about about the generational divide, or even cancel culture, or any number of things, but the movie takes on so many different targets, that ultimately, when it got to the end, what I was really mostly concerned with was just how much I liked uh, Seth Rogen in these roles, and how, I mean, how assured he is as a fucking movie star. I mean, the guy's great.
0: He is. Yeah, no, totally agree with everything you just said. It it does... I too enjoyed the movie. I, I kinda have the same criticisms and, you know, kind of the the second act kind of and the beginning of the third act kind of just starts to maybe do a little too much and tries to do a little too much of everything to kind of show I guess everything that, that's going on that may be a shock to someone coming, you know, a hundred years later to reality right now. Um But yeah, the the big takeaway agreed, like we were talking about it last podcast. I just think, <clears throat> yeah, he's He's an interesting guy. Like he, he's a great, he's a really good actor. He's a good writer. Like his his production company, you know, Point Grey is doing really well. And I pretty much, like I was saying, like try to watch everything that they do. Um, and this is this is really no exception. I don't, I don't think it's like an amazing movie. It's very fun, very sweet, entertaining enough. And I think it's a good movie to have on HBO Max. Um, but the big takeaway, yeah, is that like there are, there are definite. Uh, points in his corner of like, you know, he is, he, he, I think, and we all agree, I think that like he, he is one of the, the, the movie stars that are still out there that there's something special about him. And I think, you know, the way he kind of balances these two performances, um, and just, yeah, the, the way they kind of play together so well, um, you know, even, you know, obviously, um, coming from the same actor but it's just it's just a really kind of nuanced thing and it's it's a comedy you know in most respects but there are some really heartfelt scenes and um that i think he plays really well and um i don't know yeah i I totally agree with what you just said i just really genuinely am excited to see movies that he's involved with in any way uh shape or form and this is another one of them that really uh, i did enjoy and uh uh, yeah, I've recommended it to a couple people since we saw it last week and, and you know I think most people watching it are, you know, kind of enjoying it. It's 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 a fun watch and it's 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 easy to watch too, you know, for, even with its faults. It's it's a it's an easy, quick hour and a half, you know, movie that you kinda can't you can't not walk away from it and feel like he's really good in the movie. Like he's just a really good actor and he's and he's fun to watch.
1: Um I I agree. Sometimes in the whole like, uh, actor, actor acts for a little bit. Actor decides he wants to make movies, becomes superstar, making movies himself. Sometimes I wish that they would have taken a writing class, just in the way that like, first act, second act, third act. What are we saying <laughs> in each of these things, and how do they connect? What's the through line? Um, sometimes. I I get very rattled by Seth Rogen's scripts. Uh, Sausage Party was the last one that kind of felt abysmal to me, like this one did. But like Sausage Party, I fucking loved it. (laughs) And there's something about Seth Rogen still making scripts that feel kind of abysmal in the second into the third act. He knows what makes stories work. So there is some of that. And a lot of heart that takes place in his story. So I would rather watch one of those than something that is like paint by numbers, if that makes any sense. Like right. I like no, that's that a good it's, point. Yeah, it's it's I'd rather watch a movie written by a person that could have taken a couple more writing classes versus somebody who just literally knows, okay, I'm predicting things if I know. Uh, You know, most things that don't come from him. I know that sounds weird, but there's something about what he presents. I'm still left with, uh, man, I took something out of that that I haven't taken out of a lot of other movies. There's a heart to it. He seems to be in a place where religion is a lot more important to him than ever before. And I kind of like that, man. I kind of like that in the middle of this kind of place where people have these very... I don't believe in anything sort of ideas, and and I, you know, I'm not a super religious person. I like that somebody's taking some sort of stance on that. Like you can find some happiness through this thing. I think that's pretty cool. It's cool, especially in the mainstream, man. Like it's it's kind of interesting that people are saying things in in a place where a lot of people don't try to say anything. So. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it won me over, man. In
2: this movie, religion really kind of just stands in for a connectedness to the past and connectedness to family and tradition, you know? So I think that in that sense, it manages to be sweet uh, without being preachy. I I think... um, it is something you notice when it kind of creeps into the movie, but it does creep in much more as a just a window into this—in the, 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 this conversation between these two guys, you realize that this is yet one more way that the modern man is going to seem like he's lost his way to the man from the past because the modern man has all these distractions and things and isn't thinking about— you know, uh, tradition and honoring things that came before. And and so when, when Herschel, who has been pickled for 100 years and and emerges into the modern day uh, world of, uh, of uh, New York, and he encounters, you know, a sort of a <clears throat> hipster great-grandson, that's one that's one more thing that puts a gulf between him is that the great grandson has kind of become more secular, which I think in general people have become more secular over the last hundred years, but also in cities, people are more secular than they are in rural areas, you know? What is the path of this movie? How did it end up on HBO Max? Yeah, I think,
0: yeah, Sony had it. Um, because I think that's who his production, like they have like a first look deal, I think, with Sony. But yeah, I mean, this is a, yeah, Sony, Columbia, you know, they produced it. Um, And yeah, I mean, basically, it was supposed to come out. um, I don't know if it was supposed to come out in April or May, but they sold it to Warner Brothers in April. I remember because it was like right at the end of April for them to be able to release it on um, for HBO Max. Like they started promoting that when they started like rolling out the dates for HBO Max. But yeah, I don't remember exactly the exact date it was supposed to come out but um, I'm trying to look it up real quick I don't I don't see a date um, I just I just keep seeing the date that they sold it to Warner Brothers which was April 27th but I don't know that it actually had a theatrical release date it may have been something that they had for at some point this year but maybe in the fall but they just sold to Warner when they kind of knew they weren't going to be putting any movies out this year and then you know Sony doesn't really have a ton on their slate uh, otherwise but I mean but um, this year, I mean. But yeah,
2: I don't know. What do you think of those movies where someone acts against themselves? Uh, by the, I mean, when it's an actor acting against, an, you know, using camera tricks to have them acting against themselves, do you wonder at times, like, I mean, it's almost like when I know that when I record music, if I play all the parts, there's a kind of, I always refer to it as a kind of airlessness to it, that like, it's lockstep. It's me playing with me, playing with me, singing to me, harmonizing with me, and there's, by the end, there's like a uniform quality to it that can be very pleasing, but it can also be sort of like... You'll, you'll never know what you might have had if you'd had that other flavor brought in. And I spent half of this movie going, wow, Seth Rogen is really doing a good job of playing these two characters on this comic level. You know, just accent and costume does a lot. But, he, you know, the different energy. Like when the two yeah. guys are dancing, for instance, there's a funny scene where they both are dancing, and the, their differences in that moment are very clear. And their physicality, the way they move, these, these yeah. things are, he's doing something different. But there are times where I go, I just caught myself thinking, I wonder if an Another actor can get more out of you than a stand-in that is costumed to look like you. I just was wondering, if, as good as he is in this, is this performance hampered in any way by the fact that he's only reacting to his own rhythms and he knows what the other scene is going to be? Right. And 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 how can you possibly have an emotional moment that really goes beyond the expected? if you're just interacting with a theoretical version of yourself. I know I'm getting very into the technical weeds of acting, but did you guys think about that much watching this movie? I always do, when someone's playing against themselves, like, to think how odd it was on the set that day, that it was never these two men interacting. You know what I mean? Like, the whole movie is the conversations between the two of them, and that never actually happened. So, how do you track that emotional performance? How do you make something really magical happen when you're kind of, you know, you're you're not going to be surprised by the other actor. You're, you're only capable of doing what you can do on your own does that make sense
1: yeah i I know exactly what you're saying um so here's the thing man um hollywood has trends uh there's two trends that are happening simultaneously that i'm hoping will stop soon that is the dual roles one actor playing multiple people we saw it in uh mark ruffalo's i know this much is true Um, Paul Rudd's Living With Yourself, Marlon Wayans had a uh, a movie where he was playing multiple characters, Atlanta was a similar situation with Donald Glover, and then there's a Groundhog Day trend that is happening constantly. Now, I've seen good versions of all these things, and I think I'm done. (laughs) I think I'm done. And I think there is some challenge. There is something to be said about... Uh, a actor that can pull it off. i um, I'm. I love it. I love when a, a actor can pull it off. I think Seth. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like I think Seth has been has been pulling back these layers um, that I haven't seen in him ever in the last couple years, man. Like I, I like to see this side of him. Um, I like to see him vulnerable and. Maybe an asshole and something, and you know, challenging roles. And I think that he's capable of doing it, um, in 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 other things. Uh, I I I would be lying to you if I said I wanted to see this again. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said I wanted to see more actors playing them uh, multiple characters on screen. I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest with you but Seth pulled it off I, I, well enough for me not to feel like it was that they felt like two different people to me yeah and that, that that's a mission accomplished
0: yeah definitely agree with that
1: yeah
2: so, so you did you see living with yourself the Paul Rudd uh, series on Netflix
1: um no I mean I, I I'm really I really have a hard time watching Stuff where people play multiple characters, to be honest with you. I, I gave it a try because I'm a big, you know, I like Seth Rogen stuff. And I really liked uh, James Franco and the Deuce playing multiple characters. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I haven't. It Was it good? Did you see it, Steve? Living with yourself?
2: Uh, yes, I did. I think Paul Rudd did an equally sort of similarly good job of, of, of you know, figuring out how to do different versions of his, of his own comic energy. Yeah, I agree. Anything else to say about American Pickle? I mean, again, I don't really know these this writer and director team. Um, Brandon Trust. It looks like he may have been a cinematographer on some. Most people, I mean,
0: Simon Rich, I think, is a writer on SNL. But I mean, recently he did uh, Miracle Workers on TBS. If you've if you've watched that Daniel Radcliffe show, he's the creator, uh, showrunner on that show. Um, okay, which I thought I think is a great show. If, if you if you've watched that, that's really good. He got a lot of stuff coming up. He did some stuff on that uh, Man Seeking Woman show that we've talked about before, um, like where I've seen him, you know, pop up here and there. But I know currently, you know, he was uh, he's a writer on SNL, which I think is probably what most people probably are aware of him. But he's got a lot of stuff in production, though, I know. Um,
2: Didn't he work for Pixar as like a staff writer at some point?
0: Yeah, I think he's actually also writing the the new Willy Wonka movie um, that Paul King is directing. Oh, wow. But, yeah, I don't know. I've seen his name pop up a bunch. Yeah, he's got a lot going on.
2: Th- this movie has enough of that uh, sort of magical storytelling. I could see him being, I mean, the whole idea of a man being pickled um, and coming out, and he's fine. And I love the way they play it in the movie. That's one of the funniest jokes <laughs> for me is when they're at the press conference, and the narrator is Seth Rogen's character telling you what happened. And someone in the at the press conference says, wait, how does this make sense that this guy would be perfectly fine after sitting in a, a, a barrel of pickles for a hundred years, you know, and then the person starts explaining it and the narration says, the scientist explained it and everyone was satisfied.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that line. <laughs> Such a good line. <clears throat> what a fairy tale. Uh, Yeah, man. I think that's it for me. Um, I, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's something that, if it sounds interesting to you, are you like Seth Rogen or... You have an HBO Max subscription. I would, uh, I think we would recommend checking out American Pickle um, if you haven't yet. It's available now. Uh, I don't know what's coming out next week that we could talk about. I'm trying to think.
2: I don't know. Actually, there's a couple things on the calendar coming up, but well, we'll talk about Perry Mason hopefully if Ronald can make it through. Yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll get that going hopefully if we all catch up on that
0: and. Yeah, I don't know. There's not much. I know coming out this week. Like hopefully, you know that we get this out on on Friday. The um, a couple VOD titles coming out. Um, Joe um Joe Kiri's Joe is that his name Kiri? Yeah, Joe Kiri from Stranger Things. Um, he's got a VOD title coming out called Spree, which is uh, I think was at Sundance. Yeah. Um, that looks kind of fun. Like kind of an Uber driver who fucking crazy, killing
2: people, I guess. Uh, kind of like American Psycho-ish. <laughs> yes.
0: I saw a couple a couple people describe it as such.
2: And Lovecraft Country comes um, out next weekend, too.
0: And then I saw something else that I wanted to check out this weekend. Oh, oh, there's a documentary coming out called um, Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy about... Oh, yeah, the Ren and Stimpy one. The mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy doc that comes out this weekend, I think, too. So definitely want to try to check those out. So maybe if we can talk about those...
1: The Jamie Foxx movie comes out with uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, right?
2: Yep.
0: Oh, the Netflix movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it, man. I think that's all we got this week. We'll wrap it up. You guys good? Yeah. Ronald, you good? Yeah. All right, man. Uh, you can find us at moviesmovie.com, Facebook.com slash moviesmovie. Um, find us there. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you think of anything that we've talked about on the podcast. If you check out an American Pickle uh, tell us what you thought of that too. We would appreciate it. Um, and if you happen to watch Lovecraft Country on Sunday, you can shoot us a message there and let us know what you thought of that because I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. Maybe we can mention your feedback on the air or something like that. But we'll figure something out if anybody wants to share their thoughts on that show. Hopefully, we can talk about that next week. Um, but you can find us on all the podcast platforms, um, we should be everywhere. Uh, and if we're not, let us know and we'll find our way there. But um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for episode 264 of Movie Schmovie. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>